thank you, body, for doing what you're doing. Thank you. And I've created that mindset of gratitude through a lot of discipline, a lot of choosing the higher frequencies when the lower ones were so easy and readily available. But I don't want to create those things in my life anymore because we create it all, you guys, from the injury to the illness, to the disease, to the bankruptcy, to the riches, to the joy, to the bliss, to the love, to the heartache. We create it all. And when we can deep in our relationship to the present moment and truly, truly look at our actions with wide awake eyes and see how we're moving through the world, that statement, we create it all, starts to get a lot more validity. And you realize, oh my God, I have created all of this. Hey, what's up, Yogi Triathlete community? Welcome back to the show. This is episode 112. I'm Jess, your host, and I am just about 24 hours after finishing the Black Mountain 50K, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We've got a bunch of questions, and I'm here with my co-host and my partner in changing the world, BJ. Welcome, babe. It's so good to be here. So good. (laughs) We are changing the world. Yes, we are. And it starts with us. Us. We're living it. Yeah. We're living the change. So yeah. if anybody wants to know if we're reading out of a book and, and professing it to you, regurgitating everything <laughs> back to you, that's not true. We are living this every single day and navigating our way in every moment. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I did yesterday on the course. And, you know, things have just really shifted for me as a competitor from where I was 13 years ago to where I am today. When I first started triathlon, I describe it as swimming with fists. You know, I was in there just swimming with fists and just getting aggression out and trying to protect myself. And so being, you know, defended and, and you know, processing anger. And that's just what I did. And um, triathlon taught me humility, And I love that. And so I started 13 years ago, really. I mean, I started a long time before that, but really just getting a look at myself and how I was moving through the world and then choosing if I wanted to continue to move that way or not. And the things that I wanted to change, I found out how to do that and, you know, changed. And now I'm teaching it and and living it every single moment of my life. And it's not easy. Now, you know, it's like... There's a flow, there's a flow to it, there's an ease to it for sure, but it's, so. Well, I don't want mo- the, the, the listeners to think it's just a, a piece of cake, like a walk No, it's apart. not. What it is, it's like, it's dealing with, it's dealing with, not dealing with, but yeah, I guess so. It's like, it's dealing with what's in your face in that moment in life right? As opposed to pretending that it doesn't matter or not wanting to deal with it and pushing it away um, or pushing against it, but just opening up to accept what is. And that's where the work is. That's where the challenge would be. So get just stepping right up to what it is that you're facing in your life and then, and then m- moving to the other side of that and then moving on, right? So in the past, I'll use myself for example, 
maybe I wouldn't have fully like stepped up to that moment in my life or I would have pushed against it. Like, oh, why is this happening to me? You know, and like kind of played myself as the victim where you lose like all your power when you're in that victim stance. You know, I've been wronged. Um, This is wrong. This shouldn't have happened. And then what happens is that instead of like having the challenge just right there in front of you and getting to the other side of it, the challenge now becomes your life. Right. And so I think it's normal for most people to think like, oh, I've got everything's going really well. I had, you know, like last week was so great. And now today everything is not great. Like that that's normal. But it's and maybe it is normal because it's epidemic in the society that we live in. But but what I've trained my mind and and brought into my life is just more neutrality, more neutrality across the board. And neutrality doesn't mean a boring life. Neutrality means that I'm always like, I'm always on that battlefield and I'm just, I'm ready and, and I'm awake to see what's coming at me. And, but the things that would shake me off center before, they just don't touch me anymore. And this is really what I've been seeing this year in my racing that, you know, I posted yesterday, like, you know, it was an unshakable mental game. Unshakable means unshakable. Like it was unshakable. Nothing shook me. Yet people were, we've got some questions like, but there had to have been something, right? There had to have been something. Yesterday, no, there wasn't. So I don't want to go too deep into that because I want to get into the questions. You know, what we do here at Yogi Triathlete, and this was actually pointed out to me yesterday by Golden, and I love it. You know, endurance athlete athletics is very young energy, that real masculine energy, the pushing through, the endurance, the suffering, all the embrace the suck, mind over matter, all that those catchphrases. And what we do through mindfulness and meditation is we bring in the yin energy, the divine feminine energy, which is way. It's so powerful. And so by bringing in that yin energy, we get neutrality because we're balancing out the energies. Because anytime you're too far on one end, you're going to get, it's, it's going to, it's like a volcano. It's going to build and build and build, and then it's going to erupt, right? So that yang energy, we see it erupting all the time in endurance sports. I saw it yesterday. I saw people, you know, uh, in the lows, they were in the lows and they, I don't know if they didn't want to get out of them. They didn't know how to get out of them or they didn't even know they were in them, but I saw them as I went past them. Not only do I see it, I feel it. Like I'm just so sensitive to it. And, um, so I feel it. And what we do is we bring in that yin energy through the meditation, through, through, um, having a visit with ourselves every day and not just leaving it on the cushion, but, living a life in a way where we're awake, right? Where we're awake for whatever it is that's coming and not resisting what it is in our life. And I think that the resistance is when we have this um, inability to welcome all things, right? Well, first step would be to just like accept what is, right? To accept what is. But when when we have that inability to accept what is and we're pushing against what it is that's coming to us, whether that's, you know, um, an ankle that's sore or a, ba- uh, a back that's sore, whatever that may be, and we're like, we don't want it to be that way, we create this long-term suffering. There's, 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 no, there's no balance in there. There's no neutral center point in there. Nobody's, you're not in the center line at that point. And the center line is where you get the 10,000 foot view where you can see it all 
coming at you and you can see it when it arrives. And then you've got this space where you make a choice about what you're going to do. Are you going to welcome it in and adjust or are you going to push against it and wish it wasn't there? So when you say challenge, like it's challenging to walk this path. Yeah, I think it's really challenging. This is the most like yin energy doesn't mean it's weak. Like this is very, very powerful, powerful energy. And to stand up to the face of like intensity in your life and stand up in bravery and neutrality, that's extremely challenging, but it takes training to get there. And so I've just been doing a lot of training over many, many years. A little bit every day over a long period of time. Yeah. Has brought you to this point. Right. We this, so this to, is where I am now. We're able to navigate your third 50K with ease, right? With, without suffering. Yeah. It was just, it was just flow. Yeah. It was ease. It was, it was without suffering and suffering in the sense that I didn't, I didn't wish what was happening wasn't happening. That's, that's yeah. why there was no suffering. You weren't waiting for the end of it. Like enduring, you're enduring, meaning you're wait, waiting for it to be right. over, right? Right. So endurance, So this whole thing about endurance sports, I said this in my yoga class, this whole thing about endurance sports and endurance training should really have a, a marketing campaign where you rebrand it to embrace training and em, embrace sports. Like embrace, when you, can, when you can reach your hand out to that sensation and shake its hand and welcome it into your house through the front door, Right. When you can welcome that in and you become friends, then then there is no difference. It is now you. It is and you're not going to you. sign the house over to it. N- no, you're going to welcome it in. And it's going to continue to come in. Right. And so as it continues to come in, you just open up, you give them a big hug. You do whatever you need to to embrace the sensation. The other option is to shut the door and just wait till they go away. Right. And that's that's enduring. Like you're enduring. You're waiting for it to end. And so there's that there's that mindset. And I bet a lot of the people yesterday in the race we're embracing the endurance sport and just waiting till it was over. Just, I just need to get through this. I just need to get Why through this. Why am I doing this? I heard that out there. Why am I doing this? And I'm like, oof. God. And those, <laughs> if anything, that just made me run faster because I just need to get, you know, past that. Yeah. And that energy. Um, and the why is the thing that you should realize way before you even step foot on that trail on race day. Well, it's what is your why? And then believe in your why and make that why a part of, you know, the role that you play in this life and and don't waver from it. And if you don't know your why, sit in meditation for a few minutes. Like st- pause this podcast right now, sit down, breathe for a few minutes and figure out what's going on. Why are you doing this sport? Why are you doing this job? What it, why are you in this relationship? Ask yourself those questions. And, and if you're enduring, if you're waiting for it to end, figure out why. I think one of our biggest flaws as humans is that we we feel like we need to endure. And, you know, enduring has nothing to do with doing what you love. And I believe that we we are supposed to do what we love. We are supposed to do what we love. And that starts with, so, you know, I don't want to get too off track, but somebody might say, well, I hate my job, but I need a paycheck. What are you going to, you going to pay my mortgage now? No, I'm not going to pay your mortgage. But what can you do right now to start shifting your your mindset to the higher frequencies of gratitude and appreciation and love for life? So if you're in a job that you hate and there's annoying coworkers that you wish would just go away, what is it about them? Can you can you see one thing in them that's good? 
you know? And if you say no, well, to me, that just means you're, you're shutting you're shut down. down. You're not willing. You're yeah, not you're willing to door. see. But we are here to do what we love. And so to find out what you love is start to notice your day. Is there anything about your day that you love? It could be reading a book to your child before bed. It could be lacing up your sneakers for that morning run. It could be sitting on your meditation pillow. Whatever it is, what do you love? And then do more of it. Think about it more. Write about it. Make a list about it. Start creating more of that in your life. And so, you know, I love long distance racing. I love it. I know that there's longer miles in my future. I love teaching meditation. I love teaching mindfulness and seeing mindset shifts in those who are willing and disciplined enough to stick with the practices. I love preparing and serving food for people. And if you look at Yogi Triathlete, you know, that is our business now. And, you know, because we deserve, it is our divine right to also pay our bills. And I believe that when you know, we do what we love that we will be supported. And we have been supported because we have been through extreme challenge, extreme, like triple X extreme challenge in the last couple of years. And our faith and belief in Yogi Triathlete has been, has been unshakable. And we have a an incredible amount of momentum now and we're in that slipstream and that slipstream doesn't mean that we don't show up every day it means we show up every day so that we can continue that energy moving forward so that we can continue to do what we love and I know that what we do is why we're here on this earth there's no question in my mind that the experience I had yesterday and sharing about it today on this podcast is what I'm supposed to do in this life I am here to assist as many people who are ready, willing, and disciplined enough to wake up. You know, it's the, I, like, we've got the keys to the kingdom. Our friend Golden says that all the time, like the keys to the kingdom. I love that. It really is. And it's the kingdom inside. It's just unlocking what's already within you. Right. Stop, stop looking outside. And this applies to so many things, the stimulus, the new bike, the, the heart rate monitor, whatever it is that the new coach, the new, training plan, whatever it is, stop looking outside the new, you know, what do they call it? The new hack, right? Just, just, there's no hack. Look inside. Well, there is a hack. It's so simple. Just pay attention to the moment of life that you're living. Yeah. The the point is it doesn't, don't overcomplicate it. It's super simple. And it all comes down to the choice. We were talking about this before. Do do you choose to do, do you want to do the work? Do you want to change? Do you, do you, do, are you at the point where you truly want to change? And if you are, then let's talk. And understand that there's a, there's a boatload of discipline ahead of you to make those changes. But I kept showing up. I kept showing up. And what has shown up for me now is that my mindset in training and racing is, it's completely, it's shifted. It's shifted. Whereas five years ago, it was, okay, let me use these mantras to get myself to a place of calm and power. But now I'm waking up every day in that calm and power. I'm waking up every day in that calm and power. I was thinking today, like, God, I would love to get my brain scanned. Like, I would love to see, like, but then, but then that's, 
whatever. That's just, you're the, validating. That's just the, it's just the right. physical. It's just the physical. Right. And I don't define myself by the physical that my, I'm not my body. I am not my mind and I am not my thoughts. And I remember the first time I said that my meditation teacher gave it to me many years ago. And I almost like threw up because I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever said in my life. Like it made me feel so scared. I didn't know who I was. And by saying that, over and over and over and over again, I now I have now created a habituated behavior that I don't identify with those things. I am not, I play a role here in this world. I am here to play a role. I am here to serve. And when I'm done with that role, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out and I'm leaving the body behind and I'm leaving my stuff behind and I'm out and I'm on to, I'm on to whatever that next step is in, in my soul's journey. And that's all it is. And that's this, it's the same thing for everybody. We're just here. We're playing a role. And when we're done, we're out. And we're all out. <laughs> At some point, we're all out. I don't know why we pretend that we're not dying. I think about it every day. Like, I, today might be the last day. I'm so grateful for waking up. Thank you so much. Like, that's the first thing I say when I wake up. The last thing I say before I go to bed. First thing I say before I wake up. I mean, when I wake up, thank you. I am so grateful. I am so grateful for all that I am, all that I have, and all that is coming my way. Because I know when I say all that is coming my way, I am welcoming in all those waves of life. I'm welcoming them in because that's going to help me evolve and awaken as much as I possibly can in this life. We've been given this gift of having a human body or the highest, highest evolved beings on this earth. We have the greatest chance to do as much work possible in these human bodies so I'm not wasting any time. I'm getting the work done and I don't want to slide back because we're either progressing or regressing. So if you think that you're plateauing and you think that like you're in this steady state, you're not. I, I believe that plateauing in your sport or in your life or staying comfortable just to stay comfortable, you're actually regressing and you're creating long-term suffering. And those results will show up for you. They will show up for you. It's universal law. The universe is just neutral. You're going to get back what you're putting out there. All right. Maybe we should move into the questions. All right. Let's move into the questions. I, like, <laughs> all I right. could talk about that all day. First one from letters to my mother. I know. Letters to my mother. I don't know if we know your name. Well, Why don't you be like a good friend of ours? Right. Like, you dummy. It's, it's now an, me. It's now everybody's associated or named from their Instagram account. <laughs> All right, what's your Instagram handle? <laughs> Lucky Linzer. All right, I love all the details. What did you pack for your race and why? What did you wear and why? <laughs> and how is your preparation different from the Mendocino race? And how are the two races different, terrain, support, etc.? So let's let's address the first one. How? What did you pack for the race and why? Um, so I pa I have a the Jurek, I think it's the FKT pack. And I love it. I love it. Love it. I could definitely, I could probably, it's probably a hundred mile or pack. Like I love it. It's, um, as a rookie, I've done three 50 Ks. So as a rookie ultra runner, you know, I'm sure more advanced ultra runners would snicker at me with what I pack. But I also like, I was saying to you the night before, as I was filling up 70 ounces in my bladder and I was filling up my soft bottles and I was putting all my food in my pack, I was saying like, I just want to continue to be comfortable with carrying this pack because I know it's preparing me for the future. Like I know it's preparing me for the longer distances. So I put 70 ounces in my bladder. I filled up my soft bottles and then I, 
Um, I always think about, you know, what am I going to eat every hour? I think about calories per hour, even though I eat about every 45 minutes. So I had, um, I had packed gels. I packed a couple bars. I packed a couple of the small little on the fly scratch packets to refill my soft bottles. But I pretty much knew that the 70 ounce bladder was going to carry me throughout and that I could supplement water throughout the day. I didn't, I wanted to, I think the, the theme for this, this race was keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Cause I came off of Mendocino and I was like, I can do that faster. I know I can do it faster. Like it, I, maybe I was kind of dicking around a little bit at aid stations because the people are so awesome, right? You, you've been guilty of this too, BJ. Like Absolutely, people are yeah. so awesome. I you just get wanna, caught up in the, the, yeah. the vibe. Yeah. And I was telling you like the, all the aid stations were manned by like ultra runners. It was like all these like beautiful specimens at all of these aid stations. They were so fabulous yesterday, but it was like, keep moving, keep moving moving, keep moving. So I wanted to be really uh, smart with my time. I wanted to carry uh, everything that I would need for the day. And now that said, I did pack a drop bag and which I could pick up halfway through. When I looked at the website about what kind of food they were going to have at the aid stations, it was like cookies, candy. And the difference between this race and the Mendocino race, which the Mendocino race doesn't really advertise this, but it's a vegan race. It's a plant-based race. So I didn't have to worry about anything at the aid stations. I knew everything would be vegan. So that's amazing. I mean, everything from, I mean, everything they've got there. So I knew that that wasn't going to be the case here. And that was fine. I don't really want candy. It's rare that I would want a cookie out there. But they said they were going to have fruit and chips and chips are chips are my jam. I love chips. Totally thought I was going to eat chips out there. I packed what I needed. I also packed my buff, which I love for like, um, I was soaking that in the ice cold water buckets and wrapping that around my neck and pouring it over my head and wringing it out and blowing my nose into it and wiping off my cut after I fell. And um, what else did I pack in there? I knew I wasn't going to need any extra clothes. I knew it was going to be a hot day. And that's it. My sunglasses. And in Mendocino, I had that rookie mistake of like using body glide, which did nothing for chafe. And so I had a little tin canister filled with like just ointment, like A&D ointment. I went to CVS with all in intentions to buy Vagisil, which is what I heard is like the, the, the elixir to use to avoid chafe. But I got so confused with all, I was like, so many options, Vagisil extra, Vagisil this, this is for yeast. This is for itch. And I was like, Oh God. I was just standing there. Like, I'm so grateful that I've never had to buy this shit before. So then I was like, all right, I'm way overwhelmed by the whole Vagisil monostat situation. So I was like, do they just have like an, like I went to the baby section, babies, desitin. babies get like chafe. And so what do they, yeah, with desitin, that's going to be thick. all thick and white. Right. Remember we babysat we for that kid. Yeah. PJ and I babysat for this baby and he, oh my God, we just Used covered the him in desitin, the poor thing. So <laughs> anyway, that brought that back, that trauma. I was like, I'm not getting desitin. So I just got some ointment because I was like, I am not making that mistake again. That chafe was brutal that I got in Mendocino. So I packed that. And a couple days prior to the race, this might be too much information, but not for the ladies. I actually started my cycle and 
I get really, really intense cramping, really intense. And it started when I, in my early 40s. And I looked it up one day, and I guess it's really common for women who have never had a baby to have like debilitating cramping. And so I make no mistake when that comes around, I've got ibuprofen because it's so, BJ, you've seen me, like you've seen me trying to breathe through it when I don't. And when I don't um, get on top of it, it's really, you want to talk about brutal, that is brutal. And I'm all about like, I'm not my body. I'm not my body. I'm not my body, but it is the most intense pain I've ever experienced. Ironman, ultra running's got nothing on that. So I packed up some ibuprofen as well and lip balm. That's what I had in my pack. And so how was, okay. Yeah. How was your preparation different from Mendocino? Well, why don't you speak to that? Well, you had, you had a nice, I took two weeks off. Right. I like my two weeks. You do. You soak that up. I do. I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot of meditation. I don't run because frankly, I get a little tired about waking up at 430 on a Sunday. I do. So at that point I was done. I don't know if I'm going to need that much of a break after this one, but how did you prepare me for that? What did I have? Eight weeks? Something like eight weeks. So two weeks of that was rest. And then obviously you'd have a taper week. So we're talking five weeks of training. And you just can't jump back in. After taking two weeks off, you just can't jump back in. No, I definitely lost it. <laughs> like running three miles. I was like, oh my God, it's so long. So you can't jump it back into 40 to 50 miles week weeks. So we just started easy. I think we did 20, 25 miles a week. And, I, and it doesn't go by week. Like I don't say you're going to do this. We just see how it adds up. We just up. see how it adds up. Like, how do you feel in the moment? Okay, today you're going to go out and run 45 minutes. And if you feel good, add this in. If you don't, back off. And so that's how the, the approach we took. And, and I'm confident from this bird's eye view that your fitness is pretty solid, like really solid. And the workouts that came from knowing that were just workouts that would help get your body back into the motion of running trails, back to moving, back to the feel of going up and down, which is the key components. Your overall fitness in order to endure or embrace a six to 10 hour race, you have that. So the fitness is there. Then it's just, let's build the strength and the the specificity to what the course entails. And that what we learned from Mendocino this year is that getting you on the trails, like actual trails, it didn't matter if they were covered and beautiful and green with waterfalls and everything that Mendocino has, as long as you were on trails, dirt trail off the pavement, and there were some ups and downs, then you were hitting the terrain that would mimic what you would feel on race day. And I was able to train on this course because it's a local race. So, and Black Mountain is no joke. And um, so I trained twice. I did a three hour run and a four hour run. And I was like, okay, I'm good. Like, I just knew on that four-hour run, I don't need to come back here. And I was training with my friend Lisa. And I was like, I don't think I need to come back here. She's like, no, you're good. Like, you're good. You know, I think that if you were obsessive about it, you'd be like, I've got to go every weekend. I've got to know. But I knew the the terrain. I knew what it was going to offer, even though I didn't cover the whole course. And there was a huge section that I didn't go on part of the course yesterday. I knew what that, what that mountain had to offer. I knew what it was going to be like. I, and, um, and maybe we'll talk about the, the difference in terrain. But I think that's what's so key about coaching with you, BJ, is that we were able to, I didn't have this hard-lined plan, like this is what's gonna, what it's going to look like. We knew I could finish it. We knew that. Like 
I knew that. that was, that's never a question. I knew I was fit. I knew I was going to be able to do it. You know, I had a, a very successful 50K in my body already, took those weeks off. And, you know, I just was like, whatever I build up to, I build up to. I wasn't going to have a number in my head or anything like that. And actually, my biggest week ended up being the week before the race. So if we had planned it, then I would have started tapering, you know, would have taken it down. I probably would have pushed the mileage before and that wouldn't have worked. Like it was perfect. And Sunday, so a week ago today, you and I went out and ran at Lake Hodges, which is just like a pretty non-technical, not so much elevation or, um, or like gain or loss. And I was, I was a tough run. My body was super heavy. And then I took Monday off and went walking and stuff. And then Tuesday went out for a run, felt heavy, like felt, whoa, did not feel good, but I didn't. I just was like, okay, that was that run. That's not Saturday. It's not Saturday yet. It's not the race yet. I shouldn't feel race ready, you know, and just trusting the taper process. And then Wednesday I took off and then Thursday I went out and ran and I was like, felt so, so good. We just took it day by day and week by week leading up to it. So I never hit a 50 mile week. I think my biggest week was 46 miles, but we started with a couple weeks, like low 20s. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, I was in the 30s for a couple weeks. And then I think I had two weeks in the 40s and that was it. And I got there healthy and durable and strong. Yeah, I think that's that. Well, right there, that's the key. Like you're already fit and you just need to show up to the starting line healthy. Because if you're not healthy and if you're battling through something because you tried to push the mileage to get back to where you were leading into the last race, well, that would have just set you up for suffering and potential non-racing. Like you want to be, you want to show up healthy. And I think that's, I don't think, I know having a coach and having that, that outside perspective and trusting that they know where you are in the process. Mm -hmm. Now there also entails something you just spoke to, like you knew you were going to get there healthy and you felt good and Saturday was the race day and you had faith in the plan and faith in the coaching, but you also have to have detachment from whatever the day would bring you detachment from expected results. Right. Right. And so we talk about that as well, because I think that's a core component of what we teach here too, is detach from any, you can have a goal, a time goal, whatever it is, but just detach from it and don't let it, don't let it rule who you are and what you successfully achieve on the day. And I didn't even really think about time goals or anything until the day before. And, uh, I just knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to be a great race because it found me. It just found me. And I signed up like that day and I just knew, I knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to be a great race. That, that is the relationship that I've developed with that intuitive voice that I, that's what speaks to me. That's how I make my decisions. I don't make my decisions by a calendar or a list and the only way you can develop that intuition is by having a visit with yourself every day. Have a visit with your higher self. And, and that's a very, very powerful way to live. All right, let's keep moving because we're already right. half an hour in. So how are the two races different, terrain and support? Oh, to- totally different. Support's amazing. Support's amazing at Mendocino. Support's amazing at Black Mountain. You could have had crew at Black Mountain, but I was like, I don't need crew. And in fact, the morning of the race yesterday morning, I was like, I'm not going to do a drop bag. Like, what am I, what am I doing a drop bag for? And I looked in and I had like extra shoes and extra socks. I'm like, 
I never change my shoes or socks on a run. Like, what am I, why am I carrying this extra baggage? I don't need this baggage. So I had this little Ziploc that had a couple extra scratch packets in it and a couple of gels. And I'm like, that's really all I need. So I'm just going to throw that in my pack. So I didn't even do that. So support was awesome. Train, totally different train. Very exposed, 100% exposed trail. Uh, Very desert-like, very technical, very, like, rocky, sharp rocks. Like, if, if you're going down most of the time it's going to really hurt. And I did go down in the first couple miles of the race, but I went down in the most perfect spot. It was just like this pile of soft dirt. It was really awesome. And I just got back up and that was fine. Like I cut my hand, which is totally going to screw my down dogs for a little while because it's all, it's kind of ripped open, but I was fine. It was totally fine. So terrain, totally different day and night, um, tough course. This was a tough I think it was a tougher course. I believe that a little bit more elevation gain. I think this was just over 5,000. I think Mendo's just under 5,000. So not too much different there, but very different in the, in the technicality of the course, the environment of the course. I mean, it was just blazing, hot sun, totally exposed. So very, very different. And then wait, there was something about there about my outfit. Oh, what did you wear and why? Okay. So I wore just my, I run in ultra superior threes, which I love. I ran in the only pair of low cut running socks that I own. So that's how I chose those. I have two times you compression running socks, which I really like, but I knew it was going to be hot. So I didn't want to put those on. And then I ran in the only running skirt I own because I like to run in skirts. So I have the Lululemon race pace or pace skirt. Love it. It's short enough for me. A lot of running skirts are too long for me. I'm small. So I like that one. And then I ran in the only running singlet that I have, which is the Yogi Triathlete running singlet, which is awesome. I love it. So lightweight. From own way. Yeah. And then I have two running bras uh, and neither of them are that great. They're a couple years old. And so I chose the pink one. So that's, I mean, I basically chose my outfit because it's all I've got. I've got a couple pairs of running shorts, but I don't really like running shorts. I really like skirts. I think I like I like the way I look in a skirt. I like the way I feel in a skirt. And I want to continue to bring in that divine feminine energy. I even like painted my nails before the race. Like I just want to keep bringing in that feminine because I know that I've got a lot of the yang. Like I can push through anything, but I want to bring it in and have a little more grace through the feminine. So I uh, and then I wore my Mendocino uh, 50K hat because I wanted shade on my face. And we I just can't wait for our Yogi Triathlete hats because that's really what I want to be wearing. I love the hats yeah, going to so rock. They're going to be here probably the 1st of the of August. So we're, they're pre-order, so get on our website yeah. and pre-order your trucker and hat. And they're the Boco hats, which the I Boko, love. Boco, yeah, really sweet. So, All right, yeah. let's move on. Okay. Okay, Lauren says, ah, amazing. I hope it was an amazing day. Do you run the whole thing or do you run slash walk strategy for the long distance? So uh, I'm getting, I'm still learning this. What I can tell you is that going from a road triathlete to a trail runner is like the running doesn't translate. I mean, it's a completely different sport. I'm learning a completely new sport. So there's a lot of skill involved in that, you know, navigating sharp rocks and creek crossings. And, you know, sometimes you've got to climb over rocks or it's so it's a lot of it's like mountain biking. If you've ever mountain biked, it's like super fast, super fast, super fast. And then like keeping the momentum as much as you can and 
this course is actually run pretty runnable. And I think it was so runnable for me because I'm so much better now on the trails and that I can r- really navigate those sharp, rocky technical sections with more ease. There is one section, it's got to be about two and a half miles. It felt like 10, but no, it didn't actually feel like 10. It was just a couple miles, but it was the ascent up to the summit. So you summit at mile 20, you summit at the marathon mark. And I could, I, I ran as much of it as I could. Any time that I could run, I ran, but I hiked. There was two miles that I power hiked it. So that really slowed my pace down, but I was like, okay, how, basically how fast and strong can you hike this without losing form? And I just was like, if I can just do like 17 minute or 18 minute miles, I'll be really happy with that. It was, so you're hiking and it's still very technical. It's on a fire road, but it's super rocky, very exposed. And, um, so I hiked that and that was pretty much it. There might've been a couple little sections, but I ran, I ran most of it, like little sections where I hiked. That was the longest sustained hike that I did yesterday, but it was like hardcore power hiking. And that's, I've gotten so much better at that from being on the trails. I can go out and go four hours on the trails and get 11 miles in. I can go out on the trails and get four hours in and get 18 miles in. It just depends on the terrain. And so it doesn't matter the mileage because that four hour, 11 mile run is a, is a four hour strength workout because you know, I'm power hiking like a huge amount of that. So it's different, but I'm getting better at it. And I'm sure the winners ran the whole thing, you know? So And some people walked, you know, 80% of it. I don't know. There was a 10-hour time limit. There was a 10-hour cutoff. And the cutoffs were pretty generous. They were like 19-minute miles you had to do. So I thought that was super generous. Like you could literally power hike the whole thing and be fine. So right now there's no planned strategy that I have. Just when I can run, I run. And I find that I'm pushing myself more and more to like yesterday, I ran more uphills than I've ever run. And I just felt really strong. And I could feel that all of the time on the trails is now catching up into my body. And I'm able to do that. So I'm running up more. And then I'm running faster and more skillfully down. Because when you fall on the downhill, because you will, you will fall on the downhill. If you're a trail runner, that's a, it's a hard fall. I've had a couple of those. It's a hard fall. And then training. So training on the, in indoors, because we also have ultra runners all over the U.S. Indoors, it looks like some sort of treadmill uh, Stairmaster action. So you Stairmaster, you climb for a bit. And this is something we call the Mendo Maker. Um, using it in prep for our athletes who are, who are racing the Mendocino 50K. But yeah, it's just incorporating slowing down, walking, and running. And then walking and running, climbing, walking, running. And you gave me a couple really, go ahead, finish. Just, that's, it's mixing it up. It's not the steady, you know, go out and run for an hour straight, like flat. It's more, you got to stop because there's a skill to it. There's a skill to stopping yourself and walking and yeah. being, being okay to check the ego at the door and being okay with just walking. Yeah. Your, your paces will not translate. If you're an eight minute mile pace person on the road, it's, you're going to be like 11 minutes on the on the trail, especially at first, it's going to, it's not going to translate right away, but you gave me a couple awesome workouts that I loved. 
to just get into the gym and you would have me do like 20 minutes on the stair climber hard and then I would get on the treadmill and do a treadmill workout. I liked that where I would do some tempo. I would do like five minutes easy and then four minutes at tempo. And so I liked that. Yeah, like mixing, mixing it, it up. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's good The training. warm up being like hard stair climbing and not like Stairmaster or elliptical, but like at the gym, they actually have the stairs. I, I like that. I know nothing about trail running <laughs> yet, right? Ooh, right, like Lauren? That. Right? No, I said that. Oh, you added that. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, Lauren. Is there a pro field and is there an average pace for trails? So I think we covered the pace. Yeah, but it's, is it's, there a pro field? You find your own pace. Um, not at yesterday's race, but yeah, there's professional ultra yeah. runners. You know, so at the bigger races, Western well, States. What was the one you were watching, the YouTube video? Western States. Yeah, what was the name of that? Oh, a day in the life. A day in the life. So Lauren, yeah, definitely YouTube a day in the life and watch that. You'll see, you'll see some pros like putting the effort out. Yeah, there. I mean Jim Walmsley, who just won Western Set the States new record too. Insane. He averaged like eight something, eight fifty yeah. or eight twenty miles. That is crazy fast pace. He did a hundred miles and what did he do? Was it fifteen hours or? It was sick. It was totally insane. So yeah, there are professional ultra runners. We've done podcasts with a couple of them. Mike Wardian, that's a great one. Anton Krupichka, that's a great one. And um, yeah, check out A Day in the Life, Billy Yang film. That's really good. And Ginger Runner's got some good. Oh yeah, he's got, got some a, good He's got stuff like the too. Lake Sonoma 50. Yep. That's another good one. So I don't know if it's like Iron Man where it's like there's a, yeah, I mean, I guess so. There's like a pro field and then an age group field. I, I never they all really start looked... together. When I see the races start, like the UTMB. Yeah, they all start together. Yeah. I just yeah. don't know. I don't know if it's like broken up in the results. I haven't looked that far into it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. And mm. hi, Helen. Hi, Helen. <laughs> I hope you're listening to this. Eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> All right. Dr. Daya Grant. Uh, amazing. Huge congrats. Even with an unshakable mental game. Yay. On race day, there can still be challenges that creep in. What were your mental hurdles today? You know, again, like when I say unshakable, I mean unshakable. There was nothing that touched me yesterday. Did I have some things going on in my body? Yeah. But the way I identify myself as not being my body, as not being my mind, as not being my thoughts allows me to have that 10,000 foot view. So I'll give you an example. As I was power hiking up that two miles, there was this um, spot in my back, my erector muscles on the left side of my spine. And I could feel them, you know, like, ooh, they were, they were reacting to the stress that I was putting on them. And it, you know, I wanted to really keep my form and stay strong. And so I was standing up straight. And as I'm standing up straight, of course, they're not going to be as long as if I start to hunch over and give them a little bit of a stretch. But I wanted to stay strong. And I could see some thoughts ruminating around. I felt like I just had this force field around me where the thoughts were kind of like knocking, but like I couldn't hear because it was like soundproof glass. You know, I just, I felt like they were kind of, they were very, very weak. And I Notice this one thought about, oh, you should slow down. You should stop and stretch. You should, um, this is going to seize up. This isn't going to be good. And I just kept going. I just took the next step and took the next step. And I know the anatomy of the body very, very well. And I know the power of my belief system. 
And I just took a breath in and I imagined when I breathed in that I was just breathing in like calm energy for that section of my body. And when I breathed out, I breathed out softness. So there was examples like that. There was one section where I was running down. This is kind of a surprise. It was probably like around mile 27 and I was running down and all of a sudden it just felt like my toenail had like kind of ripped off and it was just sharp and sticking into like the corner of maybe where it was still kind of attached. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting sensation. But I I even said it out loud. I'm like, but I'm fine and I'm still running. So I'm just going to keep going, you know, and how grateful. And thank you. I'm so grateful, body. Thank you. So shifting always into gratitude, always into gratitude. And this was not always easy for me. So shifting everything into gratitude and having gratitude as my natural state, like my my immediate go-to without a lot of effort, took a lot of effort to get there, to really create those pathways in my brain for gratitude. So my first thing is always, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the information. My body's working. Thank you. Yeah, I get it, foot. I get it, toe. We're at mile 27. Hang in there, buddy. Like, I'll take good care of you, just like you're taking good care of me. And then there was the, in the last like mile, there was a really steep, short downhill. And the way I described it was I felt like all of my toes and my toes are what are sore today. There's one of them that's, that's the one that I was talking about. It's very, very sore today. And I'm just leaving it alone, just letting it breathe. Um, it felt like my, somebody was dangling my toes above a Vitamix blade and like the blade was just kind of like just grazing them. And they just felt like they were getting scrambled. And I was like, oh, that's so what it feels like. I can't wait to go to Whole Foods and get a smoothie. Like, I'm going to get their green and glowing smoothie. I just want to get green in this body and just and and allow this amazing body of mine to recover. So, you know, I looked at this question earlier and I, I really spent a few hours, like the last few hours trying to surface up something that was a hurdle. But to me, a hurdle means something that you really have to jump over and get a lot of strength to get over. And and although I believe that there was probably a lot of opportunity for there, there for me to create mental hurdles, because we do create it all. We do create it all based on our belief systems and the patterns of behavior that we reinforce in our life. And so the last two years of our life, since we got rid of everything we owned and moved across the country and went all in with Yogi Triathlete, I have never been as as challenged in my life. I mean, to sit with a dollar 81 in your bank account, not that many months ago, like, I don't know, maybe four months ago, we had like a dollar 81 in our bank account, I remember. And that was our business account. We had $9 in our our checking account, our personal checking account. And I remember just opening up the refrigerator and being like, look at all that food. Like, that's just amazing. I've got everything I need. I can walk 400 steps down to the ocean. You know, the mental hurdles that I have gone, that I have absolutely conquered, like moved mountains over the last couple of years there was nothing yesterday that I would consider to be a mental hurdle. And when we say that race day is celebration day, it's celebration day. It doesn't mean that we say, oh, it's celebration day. And then 
And then my back starts to seize up and all of a sudden it's not celebration day anymore. No, it's celebrate. I'm a hundred percent in on that. It's, it's celebration day. And like, I believe that. And I act that way because I've created those. I have shifted so much in my life by showing up every moment that when things get tough, I walk up to whatever it is that's challenging me. And I say, thank you for this opportunity. It's the first freaking thing I say, thank you for this opportunity, because I know that everything that comes my way is for me. Nothing happens to me. I am not a victim of this life. I am powerful. And every time that we walk up to a challenge and say, thank you, thank you for this opportunity to heal. And when I work with that energy in the moment through anchoring into calmness, because calmness is where the power is. I know that I'm healing that energy and I don't need to recreate those circumstances in my life anymore. And I think that the financial piece to use what I was just referencing, like we have ended that BJ, we had financial karma and I have never been more free in my life in this moment. And we have, we have like a big pile of debt. And when we didn't have debt and when we didn't have bills to pay and when we were driving in our car and didn't have a place to live, right? And all of that seems so freeing. I wasn't free. Were you free? Mm -mm. No, I wasn't free. I was so scared that we were spending too much money. I was so scared that we were going to get into debt again. And guess what happened? We got into debt again. And then, but I knew when it was happening... I was like, oh my God, this is so cool because it's happening again because I didn't learn what I was supposed to learn the first time and I'm shifting my relationship. Like I could just see it differently. And that's what ha what's happened with my racing is that my state of being is powerfully calm leading into the race, at the starting line, during the race, and after the race, like the race, so we're talking about it now, but, and my body's going to recover. So I'm going to have some remembrance in my body for a little, for, you know, I'll probably be much better tomorrow. Our bodies bounce pretty well, but it's done. It's in the past. I had a freaking awesome day yesterday, but it's done. Now it's in the memory bank. I know how strong my mental game is. And really yesterday, so yesterday in particular, I don't believe that I, I've looked so hard to find some drama for you guys, but I did not have mental hurdles. Yeah, my feet felt like they were in a Vitamix. I, my back felt like it was going to seize, but it was my relationship to those experiences in the moment was, thank you, body, for doing what you're doing. Thank you. And I've created that mindset of gratitude through a lot of discipline, a lot of choosing the higher frequencies when the lower ones were so easy and readily available. But I don't want to create those things in my life anymore because we created all you guys from the injury to the illness, to the disease, to the bankruptcy, to the riches, to the joy, to the bliss, to the love, to the heartache. We create it all. And when we can deepen our relationship to the present moment and truly, truly look at our actions with wide awake eyes and see how we're moving through the world, that statement, we create it all, starts to get a lot more validity. And you realize, oh my God, I have created all of this. Awesome. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you, you back? You were like... <laughs> You're like, whoa, okay, and All we're right. back. <laughs> Continue with questions? Sure. <laughs> uh, Richard, 
Uh, tell us about your nutrition. Oh, well all right. Done. That's perfect follow-up, Richard, because that was getting a little heavy. Okay. I actually wrote it down. And what I did yesterday was because you, BJ, we have been having extremely successful nutritional experiences for years on the race course. And one thing that you started talking about um, last year, I think, or maybe even the year before, was... Yes, race day nutrition is important, but it's your everyday nutrition. So what kind of gut are you bringing into race day? So maybe some people, we do a traditional carbo load. I cut the fiber out. I had pancakes on Friday morning. I had pretzels. I had fig bars. I had, I guess figs probably have fiber on them, but they don't affect me. I had... Po- white pasta. Yeah. Just tempeh, white basic pasta. Tempeh sandwich. Yeah. I had a tempeh sandwich with mustard and a white pita bread. Like we go white. We go, we go very, very simple, high carb. But I don't feel that that affects me over the long term because our diet is so colorful and vibrant and healthful and and anti-inflammatory. Eating a plant-based diet is very anti-inflammatory. And if you look in the yoga world, you know, there's, um, I'll say this real quick, but there's, there's three qualities of this physical world that are always in, um, in play. There's the sattvic energy, which is very pure, um, very kind, very loving, very, if we're talking about food, very anti-inflammatory, very high vibe. Then there's rajastic, which is like more of your cayenne pepper and your coffee. Like it's going to give you a little hit, but maybe doesn't feel that great in the long run. And then there's tamastic, which is like dead food. So chips and, um, which definitely I'm ingesting some dead food when I do that carbo load. So chips and crackers and processed foods and dead food, like literally dead, dying, putrefying flesh food, very tamastic, very heavy energy. And so most of our food is, is sattvic. You know, we have cayenne pepper, so we have a little bit of rajastic, but we have very, very little tamastic, lethargic types of food in our body. So our bodies are very vibrant and it just works. It works to cut that fiber out. It works really well for us. And I don't mind. It's kind of a fun little treat. So then what I did was I kept all my wrappers during the race because I wanted to tell you guys what I did because it's just worked really well for me. And that does not mean it's going to work really well for you. I have a super healthy gut. And so I can handle carbo loading. I can handle gels. And, and this has always been the case. Even when I was a meat eater and a dairy eater, I always have had a very, very strong constitution. So the morning I woke up, the race started at 6.30. So by 3.30 in the morning, I had a cup of applesauce, a scoop of um, protein powder, plant-based protein powder, and one banana. And I mixed all that up. And then I had 24 ounces with two goo, goo tablets in it. And I didn't even finish that. I was pretty full and had felt like pretty hydrated. Then 15 minutes before the race, I had a goo. I had one of those chocolate coconut. I think it was the salted chocolate goo. Chocolate sea salt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so and you good. were like, oh, that's so good. And actually, as I was taking it, I kind of wanted to throw it up. And I was just had again, like in the mind, I was like, this is fine. This is fuel body. It's okay. Accept it in. And then it was fine. It was no big deal. Had some water with that. So it's about a hundred calories. So then I started eating about every 45 minutes. And the first thing I ate was I had a made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I didn't know what, if they were going to have that on the course, which they did have it at one aid station. 
But I just had like one sliver of it. It was probably like an eighth of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I just, I had that and it was fine. And then another 45 minutes later, I had started eating these trail nugget bars, which I get at Trader Joe's, the chocolate peanut butter ones. And they bang, like they have a lot of calories in them, 230 calories. So I ate that over the course of uh, an hour and a half to two hours. And then because I wanted to front load the solids. I didn't want to go gels from start to finish. So I wanted to front load the solids. And I didn't know I was going to be running as fast as I was running either. And I was taking that into effect. I was like, ooh, I'm taking in the solids, but I'm also running like two minutes faster per mile than I normally do. And then I started eating a Go Macro bar, which is 290 calories. And I had half of that. And then around mile 17, it was time to eat again. And my body just said, nope, nope, no more food. You're good. I've got what I need. Give me space. And so I let that happen and I just let it settle. I had gotten some watermelon at a couple of the aid stations, which just tasted so good because it was getting hot out there. And then what happened was I waited. So maybe I waited an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half. So basically I kind of skipped that eating cycle because I just wanted my body to process what it had. I got that message pretty pretty directively that not to eat. And then I started just taking small bites of the Go Macro macro Bar and I finished that. And then I took three goos. So throughout, throughout the rest of the race. And I took a goo in the with two miles to go because what was happening, I was feeling fatigue. Nothing like my knees were fine. My hips were fine. My, my muscles felt fine. Like the Vitamix toes were a little sore, but everything felt fine. The back thing was done. That didn't bother me at all after that moment when it showed up on the, on the climb. And, but I could feel fatigue. I could feel like, okay, I've been running for 29 miles. And so I took a goo with two miles to go and wash it down with water. And so when I add all that up, plus I had watermelon and then they had otter pops at the summit, which were totally melted, but I had it anyway and it was nice and cold. So that was just a rush of highly refined sugar and food coloring, I guess. So when I add all that up, the, you know, the goo was, um, I took four goos total. That includes the one before the race. So that's 400 calories plus 290 calories for the Go Macro Bar, 230 calories for the Trail Nugget Bar, I don't know, 75 calories for that tiny little piece of P&J and maybe the Otter Pop. So we're looking, I probably took in about 900 to 1,000 calories throughout that race yesterday, which I think was a lot, but I felt good. My stomach was solid and I had the fuel I needed. And the people that I was running into were like, I'm so tired. I just, I've run out of, I heard that, so, I heard that a couple of times. I've run out of energy. And I was like, well, why don't you just eat something? Right. Get some fuel in <laughs> like, you. Why don't you take fuel in? Recover. Right? Like, yeah. again, I'm not my body. So I look at my body as a machine, as a tool. And it's like, what is that? So if, if I don't have gas in the car, I'm going to put gas in the car. Because if not, the car is going to run out. So I, I'm not my body and my body is this magnificent, gorgeous tool that I get to walk around and do work in, in this world. And so I want to make sure I'm fueling it and so grateful for it. And I'm not mad that my back 
you know, felt like it was going to, I get it back. Like, I get you, man. I get it. Like we're, we're hiking and it's mile 23 and we have a little ways to go, you know, it's cool. Just relax, just chill. Let's just like feel this breath that I'm sending you. And then it was fine. Like it was no big deal. And then as far as liquid, I was religious, like started drinking right away. I did the full bladder, 70 ounces of bladder plus a little bit of water at a couple of the aid stations. And then I went through four of my soft bottles, which had scratch in them. So I had, I think that's what, 68 ounces of electrolytes and then 70 ounces of water and two thirds of a container of base salt. I started taking salt at half an hour into the race because I knew that there was a marine layer in the morning, but I knew, I mean, we were inland, like that's going to clear. Marine layer does not hang out out there at the end of June. And I, I knew that I was going to be sweating and I knew it was going to be hot. And so I just started taking the salt and I was religious with that salt until the, I mean, I took the salt in the, and in the last three miles, I think was the last time I took the salt. So my nutrition was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I had no problems. And then we went to Whole Foods and we had a smoothie, a smoothie and that race food. I, there was nothing for me to eat. There was pizza with cheese and sausage. And so I wasn't going to have that obviously. So I had grapes because you weren't there yet. I finished too early. And uh, so I just sat and I had grapes and I did have a stone IPA. I did have a beer and it was really yummy. It was refreshing. It was yummy. And then, um, then we went and got a smoothie and then we had our vegan nachos last night and it was good. I've, yeah, I'm good. The the nutrition was spot on yesterday. Really, really good. So it's important to, to realize that you've worked on the nutrition Right. Oh, You've worked. I mean, this is 13 years, people. Right. I've been doing right. this for 13 years. But don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it like you need all this stuff. It's it's a process that happens with, and we're working on this with a few of our athletes now, is removing everything and starting from just adding a few things in. And then when you when you finally get to the point where you have no issues whatsoever, like everything is thriving, you try to go a little bit beyond that because you want to get more calories in because more calories mean more fuel means more energy. And so you try to find that balance, even though when you have it dialed in, you might want to go a little bit further just to see where you could, where your limit is. And so anything can happen on race day. And so if you're, if you come in with a well-prepared plan and things go awry, you know, there are some things that will work for your stomach and some things that won't. So I think it's really important to, to pay attention to what you'll need in the moment. Like you did, like you didn't really need it at mile 17. Like no, it your was body like, spoke nope. to you. It was yeah. like, nope, do not, do not put anything more in me. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. So listening to that, right. Listen up, like listen to your but gut. There was sp- there's space there. There's space between who I am, who I identify with, like as, and my body. I'm not my body, right? I can't stress this enough. I'm not my body. I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my mind. I am something completely different from those things. Those are things I get to use in this life. So there's space there so I can hear when my body says, no, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah, and that comes through meditation. <laughs> I know. So, I'm sorry. I'll come back to meditation. <laughs> it does. Right, we got two more questions. We got a, we got a jam here. Uh, Matt, when did you know that you had it? And oh, when, when did you know that you had it, that today was a, a PR for you? Yeah, well, so I had a 60-minute PR. I PR'd 60 minutes, and I PR'd 30 minutes eight weeks ago. So in, the, in eight weeks, I've had 
a 90 minute PR at the 50K distance. And if we were gonna put it on paper, this was a harder, more technical course than the one in April. But I'm just, I'm getting more skillful. So it's really exciting. It's like, ooh, I can't wait to see what manifests from here. Like, what am I capable of? This is really exciting. I knew it was gonna be a good race. I just knew it was gonna be a good race. I had that knowing and there was no question, there was no question or any self-doubt that this wasn't going to be a great race. And when I say it was going to be a great race, I mean, as in, I am so grateful for all that is coming my way. I knew it was going to be a great race because nothing is a waste of my effort. But I, I had this knowing that I was going to have a lot of flow. And then I tapered really well because I love taper. I love, I love resting. I love rest. I love working out and I love not working out. I love those. I love both of them. And so I had a really good tape. I mean, Friday, I cleared the schedule. I had nothing on the schedule and I was feeling like, oh, I got to do the pizza recipes. And I'm like, no, don't, don't do anything on obligation because that's not the energy I want to put into this next cookbook. And so I took, Friday, really easy. I took a nap. I watched a couple movies. I cleaned out my little cubby area in our house where I keep some things. And I knew it was going to be a great race. And I started thinking, I was like, I should probably look at cutoff times and all this stuff. And when I got online to look at it, I just had this hit, like, you're going to break seven hours. You're going to break seven hours. And then immediately I was like, how am I going to break seven? That's an hour PR on a course that's like hard. And, and it says like, it's the most technical and steepest, you know, race in San Diego. That's like their claim. But then there was something that was just like, you're going to break seven hours. You're going to break seven hours. And I was like, all right, well, whatever. I'm going to go out there and just do my thing. And I had in my head something that you said to me before Mendocino BJ, which is like, trust your fitness. Just trust your fitness, right? It is celebration day. Go out and explore the limits of what your fitness is. Trust it. And I said, do I have a strategy? And you were like, you know what to do. And so I did know what to do. It was like, if I felt good, I was going to go because I trust my fitness. I know that I can go out and move for, if I was 10 hours out there, I knew I was going to be able to get 10 hours in and then, so I had that hit, Matt, initially on Friday that I was going to break seven. And then, I, actually, let me back up. Thursday, when I went for that run, I went for a 45-minute run, and I just, my body was in such a good place. And so I, I was like, oh, yeah, I feel really good. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. This is going to be fun. And then I got the hit on Friday that I was going to break seven hours. And then Saturday came, and the gun went off. And I just started running and I felt so just well-oiled and healthy and strong. And you run across this park and then up to the trail and immediately it's an up. And so I started walking, but then I was like, I feel really good. Like I'm walking too slow. And I just started powering up it. And I probably passed 20 people right there because I was the last person to cross the, cross the starting line. I was talking to you and all of a sudden the gun went off. So I probably passed like 20 people there and then I just started running and there, and then I realized I was running some uphills and I'm like, God, I feel really, really good. And then I was just passing people, passing people, passing people. And the entire day, nobody passed me. And it was about mile three or so. 
I had this hit, like, you're going to win your age group. And I kind of was like, this is funny information. And the results aren't up yet. And I actually don't know if I won my age group. But what I can tell you is that nobody passed me the entire day I did not get passed. And all I kept doing was passing people. So I actually don't know what those results were. But my final time was uh, when I looked at the clock coming over the finish line was 6.49.53. And my time in Mendocino was like 7.49.50 something. So it was an hour PR. It was a great day. And so I knew I had it. You know, I knew I had it when I had it. I knew I had it like when I crossed the finish line. But I I had these intuitive hits that it was going to be a really good day. I got the information on Friday that I was going to break seven hours. And then with two hours, I mean, two miles to go, I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally, totally going to break, going to break um, seven hours. And I was like, oh, I'm going to break my Mendocino time. And so I just went, I went for it at the end and I couldn't really see very well. My glasses were very dirty And so I took my glasses off, but it's such a dirty trail that the dirt was getting in my eyes. And then these words just came into my head, perfect steps, perfect steps, perfect steps. And it wasn't a mantra I chose. It just came in, like it just slid in. And I had this understanding that all I had to do, even though I couldn't see well, my eyes were kind of bugging out. They were, I was like, was kind of seeing double a little bit and sharp rocks and a lot of navigation happening. But I just had this information that was sent to me, like just focus on perfect steps because I know that what I focus on expands and and that I didn't have to do anything else. All I had to do was just keep pushing this body of mine as fast as it could go, but that the steps were, they were, they were taken care of. They were all gonna be perfect. I didn't have to worry about where my feet were gonna go. It was awesome. It was so fun to just let go and hand over that, technica, like that technical piece of it to something higher. And that's what I did. And I just kept pushing the physicality of it and got to the finish line. And I think it really, to go back to um, Dr. Daya Grant's question and Liz's question, which is coming up about, you know, there was no lows. Like Liz says, I think like there was not one low. And I think it's really, all of this is founded in detachment, you know, and, and taking it to this really high level that I've taken it at where I understand that this body I walk this world in is not who I am. It's a gift that I've been given. And oh my gosh, it's so strong. But I'm detached from it. I was, I was detached from any, ex- I didn't have any expectations. I had knowings. I knew it was going to be an awesome race. I know that I am incredibly strong. And if, and and in, in, in my mind, I'm incredibly, incredibly strong in my mind. And if I'm incredibly strong in my mind, I'm going to be incredibly strong in my body. And I just, I just knew like there's, it's, 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 there's no attachment, right? So when the feeling, when the sensation arises in the body and the thought comes up in the mind and those things want to come together, that's how we get attached. But I kind of get into the middle of that and go, all right, thought, okay, feeling, we're just going to like, create a little space here and we're just going to take the next step. And that's what we're going to do. And so present moment awareness has now just become the place from which I live. And, and, you know, again, 
you guys, I've been in long distance sports for 13 years and, uh, you know, been very intuitive since I was a young child. So this is, this is my story. This is my experience. Some people can gain it a lot faster than me. Uh, but what I can tell you is it's taken an extreme amount of discipline, an extreme amount of letting go, like letting go of my ego, letting go of wanting to be right, letting go of thinking that there's things that are wrong in this world, letting go, letting go, letting go all over the place every day. And that's what this starts to add up to. Awesome. Wow. Do you want to cover Liz's question? Yeah. Well, the, I mean, I think I covered like the, why don't you read it? More details on Jess and her meditation and why she feels so strong. Mental game. Um, I felt so strong because I am so strong. Right. It's a knowing. I mean, I just, I am so, so strong. Let me, let's talk about your, me, your meditation practice because I think we've covered my meditation practice else. is every day. It's uh, typically it's 45 minutes every day. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's a half an hour. Um, if I if I allow the the world to get in the way of it, and I've learned to not feel guilty about that, I make that 30 minutes as concentrated as I can. And it's all about concentration, you guys. So if I look at the eight limbs of yoga, the sixth limb of yoga is concentration. The seventh limb of yoga is meditation. The eighth limb of yoga is the super conscious state. And make no mistake, people, I'm going to level eight. Like that is what I, above all else, above being a yoga teacher, above being a minimalist, like I am here to get to level eight, baby. I'm going to the super conscious state. I'm going to the causal plane. I want to be in that penthouse. I want to be in that penthouse. That's where I want to be so that I can be one of those souls that comes back here on earth to be like a much higher force and guide for those that are living in this land of suffering, which is really what this is. This is a land of suffering, this world. This is a school. So my meditation is 45 minutes. I start with breathing exercises I work with spinal breathing, so I work with some advanced techniques to move energy from my lower physical chakras to my higher spiritual chakras. Uh, I clear my chakras out every day, and you know that all sounds like fun, like, oh, I want my chakras cleared, but understand that when you clear your chakras, you also open yourself up to dealing with some shit that you haven't dealt with yet. So, you know, it's showing up for that. It's showing up. Then I will, I bring my awareness to my third eye center and I feel into the vibration of Om. So I used to think the word Om, but actually I've done this long enough now that I actually can hear the Om and I can feel the frequency of the Om. And I've been sitting in that a lot lately. And that is an incredible, incredible gift. It happens sporadically over a couple of years, but it's been happening more often now where I'm actually sitting in that vibration. And that's what I do. And then the timer goes off because I got, I have stuff to do, you know, I wish I could meditate all day, but that's not what I'm choosing right now in my life. I'm can continue to live this role that I'm living here and get some stuff done and get my training done, which I understand that training takes me away from meditation, but I also believe that I'm serving a purpose in this world of, in, of endurance sports um, by bringing what we're bringing, what you and I are bringing, BJ. So that's typically what my meditation looks like. I try and do an hour and a half. Um, I don't want to say every week because I haven't been doing that every week. So 
that that's always a good thing to bring back. I like that doing an extra long one every week. And yeah, I mean, I felt strong because I am strong. I have an incredible coach and so do you, Liz, BJ's Liz's coach too. And I've gotten more strong on the trails and I'm more durable. I think the trails, just the, the trail itself has made me stronger because there's so much instability on the trail that it forces your body to become strong. And um, I did not have a low point yesterday. I didn't have a low point and I didn't have a high point. This is the thing that we need to realize about neutrality is that, you know, the more lows we ride, the more highs we're going to ride. The more highs we're going to ride, the more lows we're going to ride, right? Because we live in this world of opposites. So I just keep it neutral. And I find a lot of joy in neutrality and a lot of power in neutrality and a lot of peace in neutrality. And uh, a lot of capability to deal with what it is that's coming at me when I stay close to center. So it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's my experience. I know. Maybe but, somebody, but, but they think, don't want to be neutral. Or they just know. don't realize it yet. <laughs> I think, I think when they hear this conversation, I right. didn't want to be just yeah, for the does? record. I didn't want to. I was like, no way. That's going to yeah. be super boring. That's going to be weak. I don't want to be that neutral. Right. Per, like, I'm perfect. Like, I have nothing to work on. Like, oh, everybody okay. else has yeah. stuff to I've work on. I've been guilty of saying that. Totally. I'm so glad I have nothing to work on. <laughs> all uh, right. We got to wrap this up. Yeah. So thank you for all the questions. Yeah, that, that was, was amazing. Awesome. Um, we love these smackdown, not smackdowns, but we love these yeah, race, smackdown. I guess smackdown, but these race recaps, you guys have spoken and we, we love the feedback that this is, this is something you guys are taking taking things away from that you can use in your own training and racing. So keep, keep following us, keep asking questions and we're here to help support our community and, and, uh, help you get through to whatever it is that you, you consider success, whether that's your own personal achievement, whether that's a time goal, whether that's just accomplishing an, uh, an event that you never thought you could tackle, whatever it is, we're here to help and support and, Love your feedback. So keep keep us keep us all posted. And thank you so much, everybody, for your support of this show and for your support and your belief in Yogi Triathlete. You know, everything is energy. And so when you support us, when you believe not support us, but like support what we're doing, which is really the important thing is the work that we're all putting out into the world, you guys, collectively and shifting. I believe that we can shift this land of suffering. I believe that there are a lot of people waiting to wake up. And so you guys are out there and you're doing it and people are seeing you and this is the trickle effect. So I just want to say how deeply we sit in gratitude for all of you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And we will catch up with you next week. Namaste. Namaste.